Welcome to the podcast, The Human Way, with me, Kelly O'Dell. In this episode of the podcast, I'll be discussing the topic of belonging and how a sense of belonging can make or break your change initiatives. Winter finally arrived with a vengeance here in Sweden after a long, warm autumn. And it's fascinating for me that after living in Sweden for more than 30 years, I'm still always surprised by winter. And judging from the chaos that always arises with the first big snow, it looks like I'm not the only one in this country who gets surprised. One of the most remarkable things about change is that we are often surprised by it, despite the fact that there are often very clear signs that change is in the works. One of the most significant changes that's recently surprised me and many of us is the election of Donald Trump as president of the United States. In this episode, I want to reflect a little on what factors led to this change and identify possible insights that we can benefit from in our own organizations. In my book, The Human Way, The Ten Commandments for Imperfect Leaders, I present a model that describes the most important building blocks for the individual's motivation and the group's ability to perform at a high level. The presidential election has affected and been affected by all of these components. The American people are clearly not in in agreement about a common purpose for our country or our political direction. Many people don't feel a sense of autonomy, believing that their opinions or their votes don't really matter. Less than half the American voters showed up at the polls, and of the ones that did, many are disillusioned and dissatisfied with the political process. Now, I may be entering a dangerous territory here, but as voters, our competence has a significant impact on our ability to understand important issues and choose the right candidate. As I thought about the election, though, from a change perspective, I began to realize that one factor— belonging had a more significant impact on the election than any of the others. The way we perceive our sense of belonging or lack thereof has a significant impact and has played a decisive role in this presidential election. So who is we? Almost exactly four months ago I woke up in a hotel room to discover that the UK had just voted to leave the European Union. A few days ago I woke to the news that my homeland in the United States had just elected Donald Trump to be the next president. Both of these events surprised and shocked me. There are many parallels between Brexit and the election of Trump, but the heart of these two movements is a strong need for the voters to clarify who we is. We live in a global world where local, state, or national boundaries are becoming less important in areas like communication, trade, entertainment, manufacturing, purchasing, education, and much, much more. But we also live in a time where millions of people have been driven from their homes by war or by the effects of climate change. And these changes have threatened many people's understanding of we. Who are we in this world? These questions cut to the heart of our need for a sense of belonging, and belonging is all about trust. The fact that I can trust the group, that we watch out for each other's interests and share responsibilities for the well-being of the group, 
is fundamental to my ability to survive in a world full of dangers and threats. Can I trust people from other places who look differently and have other habits and values? If the old definition of we changes, what's my role in the new we? Will I have the same power and influence as before? Will I get by as well as I did before? Those of you who have heard me speak or attended one of my courses have probably heard me say that your company is only make-believe. It doesn't matter if you work for Volvo, Microsoft, or Disney. Your company doesn't really exist. I usually go on to explain that the same thing is true for municipalities, government agencies. The fact is that the USA, Sweden, or the UK are all make-believe too, just like all the other countries in the world. Corporations, government agencies, and countries are all fictions that people have created to simplify or facilitate the workings of society. There isn't really a border between the USA and Canada. We've just agreed to pretend that there is a line between these two parts of what is otherwise the same landmass. In the same way, my neighbor and I have agreed to pretend that there's a border between my yard and his. An enterprise or operation is where people cooperate of their own free wills to achieve common goals or a shared purpose. When we register a corporation, we become the owners of a legal entity. A legal entity is not a real person. What characterizes an enterprise is that people choose to cooperate towards a shared purpose or common goals, not the fictional structures that we human beings create. When we've initiated an enterprise, in other words, begun a cooperation between people to achieve common goals or purpose, we create structures like property lines and country borders, corporations, and much more to help us achieve what we set out to do. Over time, we create symbols like logos, flags, even clothing styles and language, and much more in order to help us achieve the purpose. In my work, I get the opportunity to peek inside and get to know many different organizations. And one thing I've noticed uh, frequently when I enter a new organization is that they almost always have their own jargon. I often have to ask someone to back up and explain what they mean by ABK or GAS or DAP. And this is an example of how a group begins creating their own language, or at least an, their own dialect, in, in order to create a more efficient communication. This behavior also has the added benefit of helping us identify the we. In other words, who is in the group and who is not. The same tendencies develop with clothing styles and other social signals. The same things occur in a country. As an old English colony, English became the main language of the USA. With time, the United States developed its own dialect of the English language, and with even more time, numerous American dialects emerged. You can always recognize an American by their dialect. Or can you? Sometimes these social signals help us define our we, but they can get confusing. I often hear young people in Sweden speaking fantastic English with a real American accent. Similarly, despite the fact that I am American, I've developed a bit of a Swedish accent when I speak English after having lived in Sweden for more than 30 years. It's a bit of a paradox that I sound 
a little Swedish when I speak English and I sound American when I speak Swedish. So what is it that's the problem? Well, major changes in society that threaten our understanding of who we are create an understandable counter-reaction by many people. It's tempting to grasp even harder to those unique characteristics that define the old we. One expression of this is the increased nationalism we see in many countries. According to Dictionary.com, nationalism is a policy or doctrine of asserting the interests of one's own nation, viewed as separate from the interest of other nations or the common interests of all nations. Nationalism is a worldview that has its starting point in a sense of belonging defined, defined by national borders. Nationalism hails the nation, its culture, and its history as something that defines a commonality between a group. In other words, nationalism is a way of defining who we are. The term nation can be traced to the Latin natio or birth, and originally referred to a group of people who were born in the same place. But the term later developed to have roughly the same meaning as state or country. One of the main problems with this worldview is that the nation or country doesn't really exist. Nations are fictions created by people to help us achieve our goals and fulfill our purposes. But what often happens in both countries and other types of organizations is that the fictions we've created to help us achieve our purpose become more important than the purposes they originally were created to achieve. People can fight to retain their tools and symbols long after they've stopped feeling any real purpose. A work process that was developed many years ago to help solve a specific challenge in our organization can be virtually impossible to change despite the original problem no longer existing. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't mean to imply that fictions like nations, corporations, money, or other human inventions aren't important. They can be very important, but they're only important as tools, not as a purpose in themselves. Most modern organizations are much larger and much more complex than is what is revealed by looking at organization diagram or by looking at who's on the payroll. What characterizes an organization is not who's on the payroll, it's all the people who cooperate to contribute to the organization's common goals and purpose. Consultants, outsourcing partners, customers, and many others can be a part of the real organization, even though none of them are formerly employees. For example, as a citizen of the United States, I benefit from the same rights and am bound by the same responsibilities whether I actually live in the USA or not. For most countries, citizenship is not solely defined by geography. Similarly, you can be an American or a Swede without being born in those countries and maybe not even being a legal citizen. What makes a person Swedish or American is the same thing that makes people part of your business organization, that they contribute to your common goals or purpose. Over time, these people will create their own expressions of belonging. They'll develop a common language in the form of words, expressions, acronyms, and symbols. And they'll adapt to each other's ideas and habits and create new ones together. At some point, this 
new sense of belonging will be challenged and changed again. It's important that we keep our focus on the purpose of our structures and symbols. Why did we create these fictions? What did we want to achieve with them? When our fictions no longer contribute to achieving our purpose, we can simply eliminate them. At first glance, you might think that the purpose of a soccer match or a football game is to make as many points as possible. But you don't necessarily have to make lots of points to win. All you have to do is make one more point than your competitor. A team could be world champions if they always only make one point more than their opponents. And was the purpose of the game really to win? Or was it to have fun or stay in shape or for entertainment? The fact that we create games with winners and losers may simply be a fiction that we create for excitement and entertainment. We need to keep our focus on our purpose, and that purpose is the same in all sound organizations. To create a better world. Freedom, our right and need to control our own destinies, to, to participate in the management of our country or our place of employment is an important principle. This freedom creates autonomy and contributes to well-being, security, stability, increased productivity, and ultimately to a better world. Our organizations like countries and businesses are important tools to help us create a better world, but they're not the goal in themselves. If you look at a list of companies that were the most important for society a hundred years ago, you'll find that not many of them still exist. In the same way, the map of the world is constantly changing. Country borders change, countries disappear and new ones are created. Some merge together and others split apart. These lines in the sand are important as long as they contribute to creating a better world. And when they no longer serve that purpose, we can draw new lines in the sand. These changes can be costly and painful, but they are necessary. I'd like to give you some tips for managing this sense of belonging in your change processes. The first tip is define the purpose of the organization. In what way is the world better or will the world become better because we exist? Now, sometimes it's actually better to ask the question in the negative and ask, in what way would the world be worse if we didn't exist? The next tip is be clear about the purpose of your change initiatives. The third step is to communicate how these changes contribute to your organization's overall purpose. The fourth tip is differentiate between the purpose of the organization and the resources and structural tools that we create to help us realize that purpose. The fifth tip is take a long-term perspective. Creating a better world, a better society or organization, or a better life for you as an individual is not a linear process. Improvement goes up and goes down. With skill, hard work, and a little luck, when the development curve goes up, it goes a little higher than it did the last time. And when the curve goes down again, hopefully it won't go quite as low as it did before. I'd like to recommend the book of the month. This month's book is called The Art of Community, Seven Principles for Belonging by Charles Vogel. I was given this book by a friend and was very pleasantly surprised. The book 
has only recently been published and provides important insight into the concept of belonging. It's concrete, it's well-written, and it's well-anchored in research. With this book, Vogel helps us understand belonging and how we as leaders can build or change belonging to create strong organizations. I'd also like to recommend an article. This article is called Self, Belonging, and Social Change by Vanessa May at the University of Manchester in the UK. Academic articles can sometimes be a bit dry and difficult to read, but this article provides a great overview of the subject of belonging from a scientific perspective. As the title suggests, the author provides an understanding of the connection between the individual and the group in change processes. Now, she describes change from a societal perspective, but the principles apply equally well to business organizations. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and I look forward to talking to you again 